Lecture three, talking about do you see clearly how Jesus reveals himself and yet people still don't see him clearly. Some see him, right? And last week we talked about, it's one of my favorite stories in the Gospels, is a Syrophoenician woman who did see Jesus clearly. Remember, Jesus tested her faith and said, well, you know, uh, the dogs don't get to eat from the table. And she said, well, then I'll just take crumbs because you're my only hope. That's it. There's no one else but you. And I just, I love that because it, it uh, just reminds us of, of the fact that Jesus is everything. Now we come to chapter 7, verses 31 through 37. This is the miracle of the death, deaf mute. Someone read for us Matt, Mark. Did I say Matthew? Mark. Mark 7, 31 to 37. Okay, someone read that for us. All right. Hmm. I would say that these people don't see clearly. All right. So let me build the case for that. They're not like the woman that we've just read about. Okay. So there's a whole week between. I mean, if you're reading this gospel, you're reading the whole thing in one sitting, and you should be able to see the Syrophoenician woman in contrast to these folks. Um, they don't see him clearly as they ought. Now, the woman that we saw last week clearly saw that Jesus was her only hope. Everything. I mean, he was it. There was no one else. He was the only hope she had. And she never wavered in that faith. Now, there are some similarities here. Okay? There are some similarities here. Just like the Syrophoenician woman, these people begged Jesus to heal the man. Um... In the woman's case, uh, he doesn't want people to know where he is. He goes off into this neck of the woods so people would know where he is. Here, he's telling them not to tell anybody what he's done. And like the woman, he seems reluctant to heal. That reluctance is, how, do you see reluctance here? Where do you see it? I mean, Mark includes something here that you say, why is he putting this in here? Can you see it? He sighs. He sighs. Okay? So he sighs. He, he seems reluctant at this point. But unlike the woman, unlike the woman, these people see Jesus as the wonder worker. Okay? They see Jesus as the wonder worker. They don't see him as the Savior King. 
And that's why Jesus commands their silence. Have you ever wondered why Jesus commands some people, don't tell anybody about me? You ever wonder about that? I think part of it here, I think the reason here is they want to talk about his power, but they're not interested in his mission, right? They're not interested in his mission. They are overwhelmed with amazement. Notice how, how does it end? What does he say? What, what does Mark record for us? Um, it says here, um, and they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speaks. It seems that they're overwhelmed by his signs, but they don't see what they're pointing to. They don't understand what it means, but they are really, 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 man, this guy can do incredible stuff, right? They're satisfied at the relief he can bring, but they're not satisfied in the fact that he is the Messiah. He's done everything well. That's, his, that's their cry. Now, I would suggest to you that when you see Jesus telling some um, not to tell anybody about him, I think this is at play a lot of times. They're going to talk about all the neat stuff he can do, right? They're going to talk about the fact that he can feed him. They're going to talk about the fact that... Um, he can do all these things, but they're not going to talk about the fact of what he's here for, okay? So, awed by Jesus, but not for, entirely for the right things. Okay, so they don't see clearly. Then we come to the feeding of the 4,000, okay? Chapter 8, verses 1 through 21. Again, remember, the chapter divisions are not inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so we're still in the same the same part where he's talking about whether we see clearly or not. Okay, verses 1 through 21. In those days when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have... have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, how many loaves do you have? They said seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people and they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish and having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied, and they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full, and there were about 4,000 people. And he sent them away, and immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanuta. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. And now they'd forgotten to bring bread. And now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. I mean, I'm thinking, how could you forget seven baskets, right? You women here are thinking, I can see how that happens with my husband. Um, and he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, because of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod, 
And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? Okay, now this is a, I'll give you, I'll give you what I think is going on here, okay? Because I don't think the feeding of the 4,000 and the Pharisees are two separate distinguishable things because he it, it's still revolving around bread and eating and so forth after the Pharisees. So it's all one thing. It's all, part, it's all part of the same piece. Are you with me? Does that make sense? I'm not asking if you agree. I'm just asking, does that, am I making sense here? All right? So I think it's all part of the same thing. It's all trying to bring across a certain message. And, and you have two groups here. You have the Pharisees and you have the disciples. Okay? And, and what are they seeing or not seeing? Now, what you see here is the Pharisees demand a sign. They want a sign that will meet their criteria for a miracle. All right? And that kind of, de- that kind of demand indicates a settled and deliberate blindness that no sign could ever overcome. No matter what Jesus did, it would not be enough. Okay? Um, they would not see it. Okay? What, what do you think they just witnessed? Quite possibly. I think they might have been there. I'm not sure. But what do you think they just witnessed? What did they see? Go ahead, Beck. Yeah, the feeding of the 4,000. I mean, come on. What more do you want? Okay? What more do you want? Now, let's look at the disciples. They blow it again. And again, um, how could they have responded to Jesus' question? They don't seem to think, they don't seem to get it. Like, will you feed them? Jesus, you can do it. Um, Because he asked them, how can, oh, his disciples, um, he says we need to feed them. And they said, well, how can we do this? How can we do this? Now, look, before we get too hard on the disciples, I mean, Jesus is plenty hard on them, but um, before we get too hard on the disciples and saying, look, you saw them feed 5,000, and now we're going through the same thing again. What's wrong with you? Always remember your own, you know, when we read these, these things in the scriptures, we tend to get on our high horse and say, yeah, well, if I'd been there, that wouldn't have happened. I would have figured it out. Well, maybe, maybe not. Um, But the point of this section, okay, is Jesus warns them about the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod, that corrupting agent that demands signs in the face of the obvious, okay? Okay. they mistake all of this for a discussion concerning the bread they forgot. 
And, and Jesus, and I think I can use this terminology, gets a little frustrated and asks him if they still don't see or understand. Okay, don't you, don't you understand? He asks them about defeating miracles and they just recite the facts. And he says, do you still not understand? And unlike the Pharisees who are blind, the disciples just miss it. Now, again, the term is used, hardening of heart. I don't think he's talking about this permanent hardening of heart. Can't be. These are his disciples. It's a, it's a phrase that says, they, um, with all the evidence around them, um, they miss it. They don't get it. They're just not tuned in. Now, the Pharisees, on the other hand, prove their blindness. They are adamantly against Jesus. Nothing he would have done would have satisfied them. Jesus gives the disciples the chance to say, Jesus, why don't you feed these people? But they end up thinking about one loaf of bread in the middle of all Jesus' power. Um, So, again, blind and missing the point. Um, Now we come to the last, the very last thing. Um, And again, here's Jesus revealing himself. For who he is, Pharisees are deliberately blind. The disciples are just missing it. They're not quite there. And then we come to what I call the funny miracle. Chapter 8, 22 through 26. Someone read that. Okay. You think Jesus was having a bad day with his miraculous powers here? Like, man, I just get enough sleep last night. I didn't get the guy healed completely. You think that's what's going on here? Could Jesus have done it on the first try? Well, sure he could have. So what in the world is going on here? What is going on here? Now look, you know what, I, in this section, I've made a big point, because I think this is the point of this section we've covered, and that is, do you see clearly? And one of the reasons why I think that's the case is this section ends with this man, who what? He doesn't see clearly, does he? This is how it, this is how it all ends, and I think that, this is to me what colors everything that's gone before. Because here is, Jesus can heal heal the guy on the first try, right? But he doesn't. He's going to show us something. This is a living object lesson concerning the disciples and their lack of sight. He just said to them after their discussion concerning the Pharisees and heresies, don't you still understand? Don't you still understand? And he's challenging them about their lack of understanding, about their lack of sight. So now we have this living object lesson. The disciples were not blind, but what? They couldn't see clearly. They couldn't see clearly. All right? Their vision is blurred. They're not blind, but they still can't see like they should. I think that's what this is all about. All right? Now look, this is... This describes us. It describes people that we minister to. Some are blind, and they need to be brought 
to Christ for salvation. Some are blind to the point that is to say they're deliberately blind, if you will, and they won't come to Jesus. All right? Again, I'm not forgetting. I am not forgetting about the fact that the, right, I know this congregation. I'm not forgetting about the effectual call or any of that. But at least we have to see these things um, that some are blind and are hardened. Some are blind and they need sight. Some are not blind, but like this man, they see men as trees walking. They see life in Christ's purposes through blurred vision and confused images. Okay? Um, these are not unbelievers, by the way. I think he's talking about true disciples. Sometimes they have blurred vision and confused images. So they're not blind, but they can't see. Now, I don't know about you, but I think a lot of times that describes me at times. It describes people that you work with at times. Um, we, we're not blind, but we don't see as clearly as we could or as we should. And so, okay, the kingdom of Christ in this section, you see the kingdom of Christ advancing even with responses to it that you would think are opposing it. It still advances. Um, and as we minister with this king, you observe these different things. People are blinded by their hardness. Some can't see clearly, all right? Okay, questions for me after this section. Because we're done with lecture three. I was not in the office on Thursday when, when Sharon does all my work for me, and I did not bring lecture four. So if you want to ask questions for the next 20 minutes, you can. Or you could ask one question. I could talk for 20 minutes and really draw out the answer. Matt. Could be. Could so, be. I think what confuses me is it seems like it's a very directed at the disciples. I think so. But like if none of the narrative explains the disciples, like I just expect verse I don't know twenty seven to say and the disciples went, ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Yeah. Yeah. But then if we think about the context of the miracle happening, and if those two things are in, I'm not trying to think of what I'm asking, but if those two things are coming from different, if Mark is, is recounting or telling the miracle with a different purpose than Jesus intended? Or? No, I, no, I don't think so. Okay. Um, I think, you, so you're saying this is meant for disciples. The disciples. It seems like, yeah, it seems like it's pointing to to showing the disciples. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The disciples aren't in the narrative, which makes it seem like what Mark is saying is that the reader were not. Yeah, and here's, here's what I would say to that. 
you always have to remember that Mark is writing to us. He's writing this. He's not writing this just to give us a history and to show us. Um, you know, the disciples are really thick in the head. He was trying to tell us um, the disciples couldn't see Jesus clearly. You draw the, you draw the line right there. It's, and so even if it is, even if he had said, and the disciples went, aha, uh-huh, we get it, he still means it for the readers who are reading it, okay? Um, because, and this is something that really helped me with the Gospels. Um, they were written, almost all of them, were written after the epistles, okay? And they were written, prim- they were written for the church, and when I was brought up, for example, in the tradition, the, the, the theological tradition I grew up in, Matthew was a book written to Jews, right? And it's all about you Jews and how you missed it and how God came with plan A and now he's got plan B and um, all that. And when you look at the scriptures, the scriptures are written, were not just written for those people back then. They're written to the church. The purpose was to tell the church something. And so, uh, see, I can talk for 20 minutes in answer to a question. And so, so, Matt, what I would say is, it is intended for us today to say to you, are you seeing clearly? Who does see clearly? Yeah. yeah. Especially just in the last, I don't know, several months of like, I think we're all just kind of seeing things. Uh huh. Like, it doesn't really feel like I'm trying to figure out, okay, like, especially at the end of the, the feeding and they're in the boat and he says to them, Do you still not understand? Like, my heart is like, Yeah, I still don't understand. Right? And I'm yeah. Yeah. Well, again, I think um, what are we supposed to see clearly? Um, well, the very next section is going to tell us some things we need to see about Jesus and, and those who follow him. Just to answer that question immediately, what immediately follows is now where, where um, Mark now tells us, okay, what is Messiah all about? And what are his followers all about? And so, yeah, I mean, he's, here's the point. You don't see clearly. But it's not like you're doomed to never seeing clearly. It's just at times we don't, right? And now, and, and so that just says to us, uh, we need to call on God to give us insight and help us to see clearly. And, and again, it's not like uh, you just mentioned what you guys are going through. It's like, wow, we don't see clearly now. Well, you know what? Sometimes... God brings these things into our lives so that we know I'm not seeing clearly, so what do I need to see, Jesus? Help me here. Okay? Because, um, and sometimes you do see clearly. Come on. Right? You got the Holy Spirit. You do see clearly. You do. Sometimes you see clearer than other times. Uh, but uh, we, we're constantly, we have to constantly be 
uh, going to the word and asking God to help us to see. Am I answering any questions here or just yammering? Go ahead, Beck. <laughs> Did I mention this last week? Did I mention this last week where that one, one point where Jesus says, are you still so dull, as the NIV puts it? Yes, I, I've, I've mentioned that. By the way, I've told you, I've mentioned that a lot of places where I go and speak. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you, I cut my wife off. Go ahead. Well, I think we do have to see clearly so we know where to put our faith. Okay. I would add, I would add that, you know, we say, we oftentimes say, as you said it back, put it on a scroll so we can, well, but here's the point. It is there. I mean, you can't get any plainer than feeding 4,000 people and so forth. The problem is not, never on Jesus' side. He is, it is clear what he is. Then the disciples still don't see it clearly. And, and Matt, you said something about if Jesus were here and telling us this, it's like, and you also made the point, but it's true, which is he has. It's right here, <laughs> all right? And we still don't get it. Um, now, again, I'm not talking about generally. There are clearly, there are times in your life where you clearly see Jesus. I can think, I hope every week, I, I can see Jesus clearly, but there are times when I don't, okay? 
sometimes it's amazing. It's like, wow. Uh, let me tell you when you really learn things. When you, what God brings into your life to make you see clearly is when you go through some incredible hardship and, um, and you latch on to some scripture. Those are, that's a part of the scripture you're never going to forget. You're never going to forget it. All right, so. Um, that's right. That's true. Okay. All right. Any other questions? Good. Yes, Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. We get distracted, all kinds of things. So, you, look, it. If you look at it, you can see the disciples. What are they doing? They're still following Jesus. They're still sticking with him. They're not asking him to do signs. But like that, that, that man who sees trees walking, um, they don't quite have it. They're not quite there. They're not quite there. And... Uh, Well, good point. Yeah. 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 Okay. Any other questions? All right. Now, you don't have the notes, but I'm just going to give you the intro to the next lecture. I wish I would brought those notes with me. All right, this goes from chapter 8, verse 27, through chapter 9, verse 32. This is the next end of the book. 8.27 to 9.32. I'll have this, if I don't forget, in your hands next week. What's the purpose of this section? And this is one of my favorite parts of the book. This section of Mark emphasizes the characteristics of Messiah and those who follow him. It's all about what is the king like and what, is, what are those who follow him like. Now, here's, here's what I want you to see. Have we talked about inclusios here? I know I talked about this. Oh, it must have been in Bible school. Okay. Inclusio. What's an inclusio? What word comes to your mind when you hear that? Inclusion. All right. An inclusio is a literary device. Okay. It's a literary device. It's like bookends. Um, it's like bookends. It's like parentheses um, or brackets. That's what it acts like. And inclusios mark the beginning and the end of a particular section. And so a writer will use this 
in order to show you it starts with this, it ends with this. This is what it's about. Um, and it gives the flavor to everything in between, okay? So inclusio, think of bookends um, or brackets. And it says something and it, it colors everything or flavors everything in between. And so let's look at the inclusio here. Chapter 8, verse 27. All right? And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist. And others say, Elijah. And others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. Okay, and then um, in chapter 9, verses 30 through 32. They went on from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and when he is killed, after three days he will rise. But they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. All right, now you see what the inclusio is, right? Jesus is talking about his death. So that's the beginning. That's the end. In fact, in the end, it's almost using the exact same words. So that's the bra those are the brackets. Everything in between is going to have something to do with that. So here's my challenge for you, and that is uh, read that this week. Read that this week. Um, Asking the question, all of this has to do with Messiah and his death and his followers. What's our king like? What are his followers like? Okay? And he wants you to understand, and this, this really brings it out. He wants you to understand the radical nature of this Messiah, the radical nature of his people, and the radical nature of his authority. It's different. All right? And what you see is that God turns the world, Jesus turns the world upside down. He takes your normal understanding of a king, your normal understanding of followers of a king, and absolutely destroys what you would typically think to show you the radical nature of how this king works, how God works through this, this king. Okay? I, let me give you a hint here. How do you think of a heroic leader? How do you think of a heroic leader? Now, read this and see what Jesus says about heroes. Okay? All right. Well, we got three minutes left. Unless I've been wrong all this time, we're supposed to stop at quarter after. It's only 18. Really? I've been wrong all this time, and you didn't tell me. <laughs> kind, of a, kind of a friend are you, Caleb? But you're my friend. You still got one minute by my book. All right. Well, let's pray. Father, we're thankful for um, your word. We're thankful, Lord, that, that you reveal Jesus to us. We confess to you that oftentimes we're distracted and uh, we don't see clearly. 
And we pray that you would help us in those times. But we also thank you for the times when Jesus is clearly, we see him in all his glory and grace. And Lord, all of it always intending to lead us to that point. So we pray that you would help us to see that. Help us this week to see Jesus in his glory and his grace. Thank you now for the work you're doing in our lives. We thank you for the work you will do today as we um, hear your word, as we sing your praises. In everything we pray, you, your name would be honored. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.